How many people are ready for the word this morning? I was reading the Bible this week, and one of the things that just jumped out at me, and you'll see this throughout the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, there are some descriptions of ways that people would receive the word of God when it was preached to them. Um, very favorable responses to the word. Let me say it that way. And one of those is it describes receiving the word with readiness. Does that make sense? Readiness. What does that mean? It means that there is a predisposition to apply the genuine word of God to our own lives when we hear that. So we have to come in ready. You know, sometimes people can be in a position or a posture where they're kind of like this. Yeah, I'm not sure what I'm, you know, I'm just going to kind of, it's almost like a little bit of a resistance. Now, let me be clear, the word of God can still shatter that because it's like a hammer that can shatter the hardest rock into little bitty pieces. And I've seen that happen. But what I'm trying to say is just where we want to be in order to get the most out of the word whenever it is presented to us, right? We come in with a readiness. Lord, if, it's, if it be the word of the Lord, then I'm ready to apply this to my life today and see transformational change. It's a hunger. It's an appetite. It's a readiness. My kids, they love to eat. Um, anybody have kids where it's like they just, you can't feed them enough? Breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, snack. Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, can I get something to eat? You know, And I'm thankful for this, but it, it's, it's like whatever we put in front of them, as long as it's good food, <laughs> as long as it's not rotten, they're ready to devour it. Just put it in front of me and I'll eat it. Now, if it's bad food, of course, they're not going to eat that. But anything that's good, that's healthy, they're, they're ready. They're leaning in, ready to consume it when we put it in front of them. And I don't think any of us, obviously, should eat bad food. But when good food, when the word of the Lord is presented to us, I'm just trying to encourage you a little bit today to get you ready before we dive into the message. Uh, that there be a readiness in your spirit this morning and every time you come to the banquet table of God to hear and receive what it is that he's saying to you. Amen? Amen. So on that note, why don't you open up your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60, and I just noticed this. We got new mugs. Did you see this? We got our new Game Changer coffee mugs, raising up Game Changers. You know, I thought coffee tasted good before, and the old mug, it's going to be that much better now. Even the water is more refreshing. All right, Isaiah chapter 60, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. We'll have the text on the screen if you need to follow along that way. I'll be reading out of the ESV version, so it might be a little different than your Bible if you're reading along. Let's dive in. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Hallelujah for that. Let's pray one more time before we get into the preaching. 
Heavenly Father, we just ask you, God, right now, take over. Fully, totally, completely, God, take over. This is your house. This is your room. This is your space. Do with it what you choose to. I'd like to ask you, Lord, right now um, that you would move powerfully in this place today. Holy Spirit, that you would move mightily. I'd like to ask you, Lord, to move powerfully in churches in our area, in our region. I'm asking you to bless all the churches right now in Waterloo, Columbia, Monroe County. God, this morning, that there be an outpouring of your spirit that's actually undeniable. A consistency in our region that causes people's attention to be taken to you, God. I pray right now in the name of Jesus for a silencing uh, and a binding of any distracting spirits. Anything that would distract anyone from what you want to say today, from what you want to deposit in them today, God, I, I come against that. Come against the spirit of fear. In Jesus' name, I perceive there are even people who there's a spirit of fear that would try and intimidate you to think if you would change your life, if you would follow God, if you would go to a new place with God, that there would be something to be afraid of or there'd be something that you will lose or something to be worried about. And so I come against that spirit of fear and intimidation right now in Jesus' name from distracting or preventing anyone from receiving, God, what you have for them. I ask that you would speak through me, Lord. I've got nothing to say of eternal value to people without you speaking through me. I just am your vessel, and I'm yielded to you. I, I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me. And we all say now, God, speak. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but <clears throat> I'm kind of in this place where I have, trying to think the right way to say this this morning, um, I have kind of a growing displeasure with the way things are going in our world. I mean, there's always been bad things happening in our world, but I mean maybe more specifically put it like this, with the things that are being widely accepted in our nation and in our culture. Um, I'm getting kind of like a spiritual agitation about it. And the title of my message today is Rise Up. Rise Up. Because as children of God, you know, we are not meant to just sit back and just watch, just accept, to just see things go uh, into, into bad places in our land. And we're actually given the very power, the very authority to do something about it, to actually make a change. And uh, this message that I want to share with you today, for me, uh, in my early walk with the Lord, has, it's been very life-changing. I know sometimes that term gets thrown around, it's a little dramatic, but I, I, I don't think that I'm overplaying that statement today, that this, this word, this message could really be life-changing for someone here 
especially we're declaring this is going to be our greatest year of spiritual growth, right? We've declared that as a church. We're really challenging people to make that statement and to go after that this year, to get closer to God, go deeper in their faith than they ever have before. And I really believe that this, this word today um, can be one of those kinds of messages that sticks with you, that gets in you, and then just continues to travel with you throughout all the years of your future growth in the Lord. Talking about rising up. Isaiah is a prophet here. He's speaking the word of the Lord to the people. And Isaiah lived and prophesied roughly in the mid-700s B.C., right? And it's interesting because, one, Isaiah is known to be like the most established messianic prophet. He's got more prophecies about the Messiah, about Jesus in the first coming as well as in the future second coming we see, than we see in any other prophetic book. But Isaiah prophesied some 100, 150 years before Israel was actually taken into captivity by the Babylonians. You say, well, why is that such a big deal? Well, many of his prophecies talked about how the people would end up in captivity if they didn't repent and if they didn't turn back to the Lord. And there actually is this point, kind of a tipping point, where he realizes that the people aren't going to repent and this actually is inevitable. It's, it's going to happen. But even in preaching about going into captivity, he, he, or he prophesies about going into captivity, he also prophesies about how when they're in captivity, things are going to get better. I don't know if that blows you away, but it just kind of blows me away. He's prophesying about how it's going to get bad, but then it's going to get better. And he's giving people the word of the Lord, and it's going to be something that they can hold on to. It's going to be like a rising up moment in them, in their time of need, where they recall the word of the Lord, and by faith, they begin to apply it in that moment, and it changes the situation. He's giving them this word hundreds, 100 plus years before they actually get there. Does that not blow you away? I don't know. It blows me away, because it's just a reminder, again, about the inerrancy of Scripture. But he is... Uh, He's saying, arise and shine. And one of the things that they are experiencing that is uh, fairly problematic for all the people is that they're living now in a divided kingdom. There's a northern and a southern region. Israel has been broken up. Uh, Now there is the northern region, and then there's the southern region we call Judah. So there's essentially two kingdoms now, and they were meant to be one people, and now they're divided. The enemy kind of slipped in through idolatry and leading the people astray. And now instead of having one united nation, they actually have a divided nation of two kingdoms. I'm just thinking about where we are today, about the division that we see in our land, about the intentional effort to create division in our land. And I just, I wonder if the Lord might want to bring an encouraging word to us today to say, I know things are bad, I know things might, maybe, maybe things might even get a little bit worse in our sense of what we see, but to don't, not to lose heart, because for those who choose to live by faith, things are actually going to get really, really good. We have something that we can live according to, 
that usurps or overrides all the things that might be going on in our land and that we're meant to bring that change into the land that we live in. He says, arise and shine. To arise means stand up. It also means wake up. Wake up. He's saying, open your eyes to what's going on. Don't be oblivious. Don't be passive and just sit back and let things continue to get worse. He says, stand up. And it's actually, it could be used to say it to somebody who was, is actually laying down and asleep. Arise, wake up, see what's going on and happening before you. And they have to get to this moment where by faith, they're actually going to declare the Lord's the Lord, rise and shine. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. So in this moment of like difficult times, oh yeah, that's right. God's glory is on his people. Like we, we have a light that's meant to shine. And if you notice, he says the glory of the Lord has risen or is risen upon you. So the tense of that word means that it's already taken place. It's already happened. Each of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ, who've given our lives to Him, we're filled with His Spirit and born again, you could say it this way, God has already put His Spirit in you. You already have the full power and capacity by the Holy Spirit in you to live according to the way that God's called you to live, to bring transformational change in the world around you. It's kind of a big deal because we're not living for something that will happen in the future, waiting, 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 but when it happens, I can act. It's, it's very important as believers, as Christians, that we understand we're operating from a place of a completed work that's already been done and established. We're not waiting for something new to happen before we can act. We've actually already had something happen that's established everything we need in us to be able to act and bring change in our world. Does that make sense? He says it's, it's, it's already risen upon you. And I think sometimes people think, well, I don't really have that yet or I'm not there yet. And if you're not born again and the Spirit of God isn't living in you, then that would be accurate to say, but if you know Jesus and His Spirit is living in you, listen, when God comes to live on the inside of us, none of us get a diminished portion of God's Spirit. It's not like some people have little AAA batteries and some people have, you know, great big 12-volt uh, batteries in them and some have more and some have less. The, the, the operation of power looks different outwardly depending on how we choose to live, but what's actually available to each and every one of us on the inside is the fullness of the power of God from the moment He fills us with His Spirit. Everybody say amen to that, right? Uh, he says, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Let's reread verse 2. He says, behold, darkness shall cover the earth, a thick darkness over the people, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Hmm. So, in those times, not any different than the times we live in today, 
He says, there will be darkness. There is going to be darkness in the world around you. Um, However, God's light is meant to shine in and from you in the midst of this darkness and the glory of the Lord on our lives, operating through our lives, is meant to bring a clear distinction between God's people and those who are not following God. It actually becomes like an evidence of God's character, of His goodness, of His existence, because the operation of His power and His light working through His people is obvious in a land that actually is dark, but the light actually changes that. He says that he's going to make it known. He's going to make it visible, even though times are dark and times are tough, that his light is going to shine through his people, and it's going to be an indicator. It's going to make it obvious. There's going to be a distinction that will be evident to people that God is at work on the face of the earth, even when things and conditions do seem to be dark. But we have to honor him publicly. We have to honor him with our lives. There has to be an uh, unashamed nature to our faith. Say it like that. Where we are proud and willing to stand up and declare our faith in Jesus Christ, right? We're not going to see this light shining and this distinction and this indication if people are kind of trying to keep their faith quiet for fear of persecution or intimidation or anything like that. I'm not saying you go beat people over the head with it or be overbearing. I'm just saying the light is meant to shine. (laughs) You don't have to force anything. Whenever you are walking with and following God in an unashamed way, what I'm saying is, is that the power of God's operation in your life is going to make that light shine, and it's going to be evidence that God is in you and God is working through you. Amen? Amen. There's a, a clear public distinction. And then also verse 3, let's reread that. It says, And the nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. I love this because what, you, what he's saying here is that there's going to be a, a, a shift that will take place. There's going to be kind of like a reversal of prestige uh, where those who are in darkness seem to be the sought-after authorities, the ones who really are uh, kind of like, you know, the, the, the ones, right? But there's going to be this reversal of that prestige where the people of God are eventually going to be sought out because this light that's shining, the power and change that's happening is undeniable. And then the ones who have been caught up in their own pride or intellectualism or the wisdom of the world of the day... They're going to start to abandon that, and they're going to turn. Nations will come to your light. They're going to come to the brightness that's shining through you. We don't know how or when that's going to happen. We just have to be ready and continue to live our lives in a way where God is working and shining through us. And then when people who have been living in darkness and who have been deceived begin to wake up and begin to see 
Not because nothing's happening, because something's happening in the lives of God's people and change is taking place. And they're going to come to, they're going to seek out that light that's shining so bright. And there's going to be a reverse, there's going to be a shift and a change that's going to begin to happen. God's people, even in the time of Israel, were always meant to be a light to the nations. Does that make sense? It, you, we're, they were always meant to be a light to the rest of the world. Because the rest of the world was dark. And God's people today are meant, no different than then, to be lights in a world that seemingly is getting increasingly more dark. Would you agree with me on that? If the light's not shining, I, I wonder what hope is there for the people who are struggling and walking in darkness. But there, there needs to be, and this is where I've kind of been building up to this today in this message, there needs to be a demonstration, an evidence in the life of each and every believer that God's power is real and it's at work. It's, it's not powerless, it's not subtle and quiet, non-existent, uh, you know, we're meant to be a city on a hill, a light that's not hidden. And, and so there's a, there's a demonstration in our lives that we live of God's power working in and through us. Have you seen prayers answered? Have you seen people healed that you've prayed for? H- have you seen miracles take place? I mean, these are the things that are evidence and demonstration of God working in and through the lives of of his people. It says signs and wonders would follow those who believe, right? That you get what I'm saying? That there's a demonstration that's happening of God's power in the lives and through the lives of his people. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2. He said, uh, when I came to you, I did not come to you with persuasive or eloquent speech, but I came to you in a demonstration of of power and of the Spirit or in the Spirit of God so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God working through me. He says that 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 was what set me apart. You know when I came and preached and shared the good news and people got saved and church got planted and miracles started to happen? It wasn't because I came as Paul and impressed you with my human wisdom. In fact, it was pretty weak and pathetic, actually, my speech and the way I went at it. It wasn't any of that that changed anything for you. It was the fact that there was a demonstration of God's power. Something happened, happening in and through me, and it spilled out into you. That was what changed things when I came. To the point where like, oh yeah, that is, you know, he wants to remind them of that. So that they don't get caught up in chasing human wisdom, but that they continue to contend for the same demonstration of power that they were actually birthed into the faith through, that they observed and experienced through his own life. And it's spreading like fire. It says later in Corinthians that the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What does that mean? Well, we have the word of God. Does that mean it's not the word? No, that's not what it means. It, it just simply means it's not from just talking about it without evidence. It means that there's actually power demonstrated that people are observing that's undeniable that's happening. 
You know, think about if you lived in the book of Acts and you saw you know, people getting healed, people getting set free, demons getting cast out of people. I mean, you would have seen a lot of stuff if you were in the part of the early New Testament church that was taken off. It'd be hard to unsee those things. Would you agree with me? Here's the interesting thing. That was never meant to change. That, that kind of stuff was never meant to just go away with the church. I, I know there's theology out there that suggests that that should have died in the first century. But I'm here to tell you, I don't get that when I read my Bible. In fact, it actually says that there are some who profess a form of godliness, but deny the power of it in their own lives. You know what it says? Listen to me, you need to hear this. This is what the Bible says. It says, avoid such people. That theology, that doctrine, you need to steer away from that. Because there should be power, authority, and a demonstration of God's, the realness of God at work in the lives of each and every believer. So he says, rise up, wake up to what's going on around you. Don't sit around and complain and shake your finger and post about on how horrible the world is on all the social media. And then just sit back and keep watching it get worse. <laughs> he says, that's not the answer. Rise up, wake up, get up. See what's going on and do something about it. Begin to live the life that you were called to be. Begin to let the light shine that's already actually in you. Let it shine out of you every day in your daily life. If we, if we want to continue to live, you know, where that, that power is being demonstrated through us, here's the thing we have to get as Christians is that we have to. In fact, it's a, it's a responsibility that we're tasked with. We have to stay stirred up in the things of God. We actually have to stay stirred up in the things of God. Um, let me give you another way of saying that. We have to continue to have regular spiritual activity. Right? Reading the Bible praying for people, praying to God, spending time in your prayer closet, worship, biblical fellowship, community, serving the Lord, right? There are things we do that I would categorize as spiritual activity, meaning when we do them, that our spirit is actually getting stirred up, not just the physical man, not even just the mind and the thoughts and the emotions, listen to me, but the deepest part of who we are, our spirit man is being stirred up when spiritual activity is being engaged in. And the Bible says in multiple places that we need to stay stirred up in those kind of things. In fact, Peter says if we do not stay stirred up, that we can slip into this place where we become barren and unfruitful in our lives. Uh, let me read you a few verses here. First Timoth- or 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. He says, Therefore I remind you, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Peter says, Yep, I think it's right as long as I am in this tent or in this body to stir you up by reminding you of these things. And he speaks about a bunch of heavenly things. But he says, I, I need to keep stirring you up by preaching to you and speaking the word to you and you hearing and receiving this. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up 
love and good works. Stir yourself up, stir each other up, stay stirred up. The conclusion is, is that we need to continue to be stirred up in spiritual things so that there is an outward demonstration of God's power continuing to happen through the church, through the lives of his people. You know, when Paul said that to Timothy, he said, stir up the gift that's in you. We cannot tell from the scriptures what gift he actually is referring to. It never, never makes that clear, which would suggest that really all spiritual gifts that God puts in us have a necessity of continuing to be stirred, continuing to be used so that they don't fade into this place of being unfruitful and not operative in the body of Christ. But it can happen, can it not? Where we can go along in our lives and not be getting stirred up, not be thinking about the things of God, not be participating you know, in spiritual activity. And much of the power, listen to me, listen to me, that's available to you and your daily life. I stress daily life. The power that's available just becomes dormant and diminished and never really has much of an outward expression in the lives that we live day to day. That's not actually what God makes available to us. You know, that's, that's not really what he has in mind for us. Jesus came to change this whole thing so we could live daily with the power of the Holy Spirit functioning in our lives. Words of wisdom and knowledge. I wonder when you're confused or you have some sort of uh, complex issue, I wonder, how often do you pray and have faith when you pray, Lord, give me a word of knowledge. <laughs> Lord, supernaturally reveal your wisdom to me. I, I, I'm not interested in Google. I'm not interested in, in books. I'm, 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 Lord, speak to me supernaturally about what's going on. I mean, I wonder if these are the kind of responses that we have when we deal with the daily, weekly, kind of monthly things that happen in our rhythms and seasons of life. Do you look back over the seasons and see signs and occurrences and demonstrations of power and miracles and all kinds of outworkings of God's greatness that's not even possible or capable with man where God's power has been at work and is being demonstrated? We need to continue to be stirred up. I have a little demonstration I want to do. I wonder if there's maybe one or two people. Yeah, can you help me with that? Awesome. Big, strong guys here. I'm going to bring up my table and demonstration. And I want to talk to you, just show you in this demonstration why it's so important to stay stirred up. So let's say, so I got this wooden spoon. This is pretty sturdy. This isn't anything like the ones mom used to use. <laughs> you remember those things? They had like a real thin little handle. And mom might have broke a hundred of those over us. I don't know. Ain't going to be breaking one of them over anybody, I don't think. So let's say that this, this water and this vessel just represents our life and who we are. Right? It's, it's kind of everything your life consists of. Is your marriage in there, relationship with your kids, at work, your neighbors, your community, you know, your service and, uh, to the Lord. It's just kind of, this represents everything. Right? 
And let's say that the sand here in the bottom represents the power, the fullness of God, the power of God, the gifts, spiritual and supernatural gifts that God's put in you, equipped you with to walk out your calling and purpose. But as you can see, what's happened here is that this vessel has just sort of sat still for a while. And the sand has settled to the bottom. And if you were to look at this, you would say that the vast majority of the vessel, 90 to 95%, the sand is not visible in. It's kind of visible in this one little part at the bottom. But the rest of the life or the rest of the vessel, it's, there's no evidence of it. It's not, it's not too obvious. This is what happens when we go about our lives daily, weekly, functioning, operating, and we just get used to the world, right? We just kind of like hook in and go along with what's happening in the world, and there's no real sense of like ongoing passion for spiritual activity. We're not getting stirred up and staying stirred up in the things of God. It's not really on our radar as a high priority. Well, it's, it's only obvious that eventually what's going to happen is that that sand is going to settle. You might have some, a few parts of your life, like maybe Sunday morning or something, you know, where the sand is pretty obvious. I'd say it's pretty obvious you're here today. Um, but what about the rest of it? What about tonight? What about tomorrow? What about when you run into that person this week that is on the brink of suicide and depression? And I mean, they're not, you know, dealing with something that a pill's going to fix or some little motivational pep talk's going to help. They, they need an encounter with the living God. They need a spirit of despair broken off of them. They need somebody that believes in miracles to pray and contend for something to happen and change. What about these other parts of our life that I can suggest to you is the vast majority of the life we're living, right? <laughs> what about these other places? This is why he says stay stirred up. Remember, Paul's talking to Timothy. Timothy has been placed with overseeing churches. I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's a guy with a lot of a spiritual authority, overseeing flocks of people. And Paul's like, Timothy, you've got to keep that thing stirred up. You better stay stirred up. Don't get afraid. Don't get fearful. Don't get intimidated. Don't let it get pushed back in silence by what's happening in the world around you, Timothy. If you don't stay stirred up, it's going to start to become not evident in the church and in the lives of God's people. He says, you better stay stirred up. Well, here's what happens when we stay stirred up. We read our Bibles, we pray, we worship, you know, and, and I'm not talking about going through the motions. You might as well forget about it if you think that's going to do something. I'm not talking about checking the boxes and going through the motions. Your spirit has to be engaged. When your spirit is engaged and you're willing, you say, well, I don't know if I, how to worship like this. Let me tell you something. God can do so much with a willing spirit, with a willing heart. God, just help me get that. I, I want to be Lord. Okay, I can use that, right? Your heart and your spirit are really in it. And then when we do, the Spirit of God begins to encounter our spirit through spiritual activity. And this is what's happening, folks. We are getting stirred up. Stirred up in the things of God. Arise. Awake. 
Let it come up out of you. Awaken. Don't be in a sleep or in a stupor. Look and see what's going on and be ready to do something about it. And now, all of a sudden, every part of the water in that vessel, the sand, is visible in. It's so cloudy now that you can't see any part of the water where there isn't residue and evidence of the spiritual things of God, the sand, actually in all the other parts of the container and the vessel. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You continue to stay stirred up in the things of God, you're going to see them spill out whenever you are going to work in the morning, whenever you're dealing with a difficult situation with a coworker, when you've got some issues with your kids and the things they're hearing at school from the people we're supposed to be trusting to lead them and teach them, and you've got all these things going on, guess what? The things of God are going to begin to overflow and spill out into these situations, and that's what's going to be affecting the atmosphere around you. It's not going to be the things of the world anymore. That's why he says, man, we have got to stay stirred up. Here's the thing. If we sit here, and it'll be a while because I tested it out. But if we sit here until later today, tomorrow morning, it's just going to be real clear again. It'll look just like it did before I stirred that up. It's an obvious conclusion. It's not a one-time thing. Right? You know the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, pray without ceasing. I've had this conversation with a lot of people because they're like, how do you do that? I, I, how do you stop, you know, pr- never stop praying? Here's what that means. It means to have a continuous rhythm of prayer where there aren't spances of delays or interruptions in that, where you go long periods of time without participating in prayer. It's just a consistent pattern in your life. I would suggest being stirred up in the things of God is the same way, right? If we do that one time, you're going to see a difference. You're going to see changes. But if if you don't do that for another nine, ten days or another three months or six months, you understand what's going to happen, right? It's going to get clear and it's going to stay clear until it gets stirred back up again. Peter thought it was really important. Paul thought it was really important. The author of Hebrews thought it was really important to continue to tell the leaders of the church and the flock, everybody, hey guys, we all need to continue to get stirred up. I'll tell you something, when I'm down here in worship in the mornings on Sundays, I'm getting stirred up. I'm getting in a place with God. I'm getting in a place with him where my spirit is getting stirred up and it's just full of love and joy and all kinds of things happening. But I got to take that with me and continue to apply that daily in my life as well. I want to stay stirred up every single day so that the evidence of God's power is being demonstrated, not just in when I come up and preach a message but in how I, the marriage that I have, the relationship I have with my kids, the way I go about my weekly routines and rhythms, the relationship I have with our staff and the, our team and all that through the week when we're doing projects and stuff. I want the power of God to be evident through all of those things that he's called me to do, not just a few or some of those things. 
And I hope you do too. I hope you do too because it is a game changer whenever it's operative and flowing through the lives of God's people. This last point I'll make. In the book of Ephesians, it says, um, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled or drunk with the Spirit of God. And so Ephesians 5, I believe. And we all know what it means to be drunk with wine, right? You, you take something in and you take enough of it in to where it affects all of your movements and thoughts and it, it begins to have a very obvious effect outwardly, right? Um, and so he says, he uses that as an analogy. He says, think about that, but that's not what I'm telling you to do. Uh, he says, I'm actually telling you to have the flow of the Spirit of God and spiritual activity in your life so steady and consistent that it's actually uh, a close comparison where the, the evidence of that is flowing into all the things you do in your life daily and weekly. Be filled with the Spirit so that, let's say, if you got pulled over, right, by the angel police, that you'd be charged, you'd be charged with living under the influence. And I hope you'd be convicted of it too. Amen? He uses that analogy. And so I just say, in closing kind of this message is to the people of God, I just, I wonder if the Lord is saying, hey, rise up, (laughs) wake up to what's happening around you and do something about that. Be a light. Walk in the fullness of of the power and authority that I've given you to have. Because if you will, here's what he says, and it happened. And I believe that this, this word is continual through the ages. He said, nations are gonna come. Say it this way, young people are gonna come. Darkness will not appeal to people like it once did. The emptiness of that is finally going to show itself out. And when it does, I really hope there are people where light is shining through them and out of them because they're going to come looking. And they're going to find something with power, authority, realness. It's going to be evidence not of some impressive individual, but of the one true living God who's actually operating and working in and through us. Amen.